we get started, we have a couple things. Number one, my mom is here, and it's her birthday. Aww. Happy wave, Mom, who looks disgusted that I did this. <laughs> Never mind. Pray for me, church. Pray for me. Second, we do have a word, so I definitely want to share that. So if I could have everybody just kind of listen. Good morning. The Lord has been sharing with me something about prayer, and I just felt I needed to share it. Um, I'm sure all of us have one of those prayers that we continue to pray, and we have not been receiving any real answer. And being Christians, we learn that the answer was yes, no, and not now, right? But the Lord reminded me that for Daniel in the Old Testament, that wasn't always the case. Daniel was praying for the answer to prayer, and he didn't get it right away. But he still continued to be persistent and pray, and that's what we have to do. We have to be persistent and trust in God. But then we can also ask God, why are we not receiving an answer to our prayer? What is holding up our answer? Is it yes or no, or maybe later? Or maybe, like in Daniel, the angel that was sent with the answer was held up battling the prince of Persia for three weeks, so he couldn't get there right away. Maybe that's what's happening to our answer to our prayer. So we have two things to remember. One, no matter whether we get an answer or not, we need to be persistent. If we get an answer, we need to praise him for the answer. And second, if that answer isn't coming, then we need to ask him why. What is happening that I'm praying persistently for this, this person or this thing, and I'm not getting any answer? Tell me, Lord, what's happening? What's holding up my answer? Because God says he'll give you an answer right away. So he will show you what's holding up the answer to your prayer. And we have that right to ask God what it is. Because it may determine how we're praying, what we're praying. It doesn't matter, but it gives us a comfort and a peace. So the next time you're praying that prayer that you prayed over and over and over again, ask him what's holding up the answer. Why are you not hearing an answer to their prayer? And you can do that. So I just wanted to share that. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. Gosh, I feel like I've been up here for a long time today. our heads for <laughs> I am going to um, in a moment get into the word I uh, expect a power encounter <laughs> um, because of what I believe God is going to do today so I'm just taking a moment to see what the Holy Spirit might be doing.
kind of keep getting a sense, and this is a weird thing because this isn't something I think about, and I'm not asking anyone to stand up or say, hey, it's me, but I, I just get a sense that God wants to heal some type of endometriosis type thing. Um, I don't know why. Anyway, do it, Lord. Amen. So today I'm going to be talking about something I'm calling kingdom agreement. Amen? There's two kingdoms at work. How many people know that? Amen? There's a kingdom of God, and there's a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of Satan, a kingdom of the enemy. First, let's do a little defining. Kingdom, sometimes I think we can get into the place of thinking we're the kingdom, the people are the kingdom. The kingdom is dominion. Amen? So it's God's dominion versus the enemy's dominion. Apparently the enemy's over here. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> apologize. I don't think that. What we're in every moment of every day is a battle. Every moment of every day, there are two kingdoms at war in your life, in your house, in your job, everywhere. There's a constant battle, and there's a constant pull, and there's a constant struggle between these kingdoms, these dominions. There's, now, don't hear me wrong. The kingdom of darkness is defeated, amen? It's still active, but it's defeated. So it's still warring, but it's trying to pull everything to hell with it, amen? You understand what I'm saying? So I kind of want to come to it from this scripture right here. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I'm going to start with that. If you have a Bible or a cell phone, go ahead and get it out. Y'all got to learn how to navigate these Bibles. Amen. Some of y'all know better than I do. It says this. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other. He'll be loyal to one and he'll despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Now, mammon's a personification of wealth. So you're saying, Chip, what does that have to do with this? Everything in the Bible is a concept as well as a literal thing. There's a concept that you cannot serve two masters. You have to choose what kingdom you are going to participate with. Amen? I'm getting blank stares. Are we tracking right now? So as Christians and as believers... We want to participate with what? The kingdom of God. There's no neutral ground here. There's no gray area. There's no, well, maybe this is okay. And maybe No, no. There's a darkness and there's a light. There's a good and there's an evil. There's a Jesus and there's a Satan and demonic hosts. But as Christians, we are called and baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit to have the kingdom just break in to the kingdom of darkness. Because you see, the Bible teaches us that Satan has dominion over this world and that he is actually working against us. And that's why you can see things in government sometimes that seem so evil or things in the street. You go into an area and there's drugs over here. There's prostitution here. There's corruption here. It's because there are spirits and powers and principalities of darkness that are governing those areas. Amen. And as light bearers, as kingdom people, we should be able to walk in and say, that's enough. Amen? The way y'all are just sitting there looking at me is scary because that doesn't seem like a people who are going to go, that's enough. Amen. We are a divine injection of the Holy Spirit. 
a divine injection of power, a divine injection of purpose to break in on this kingdom of darkness. So how do I know which is which? I'm glad you asked, church. The kingdom of God, what does that look like? There's salvation. There's love. There's freedom. There's joy. There's peace. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's power. There's selflessness. Then there's a kingdom of darkness. It's evil. There's bondage. There's destruction. There's, there's, there's lies. There's sickness. There's hate. There's manipulation and witchcraft and things of the occult. These two things are constantly at war. At the helm of one kingdom, I feel like I'm announcing a wrestling match, at the helm of one kingdom, we've got weighing in, God now. We have God, our Father, amen? amen? Our loving Father. Some of us have to get that revelation. God loves you no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've done it with, amen? God is on your side. God is fighting for you. He wants to partner with you. When you feel like you've sinned, God's not saying, that's it. I've washed my hands. Oh, I got him now. Has anyone ever felt like God is just, just taking notes all the time on your behavior? 8 a.m., cussed out person in front of them in traffic. I'm reading from my journal. <laughs> Got to work. Got angry phone call from customer. Muted phone and said bad things. <laughs> we won't put that one out on the internet. No, I'm kidding. So, so, so God's not up there. He's a good, we sing it all. He's a good, good father. We sing it. We love it. We know it. Do we believe it? He's a good, good father. There's no evil in him. There's no darkness in him. There's so much light in God. There's no shadows. He is all truth. The Bible says God is love. But the Bible says at the helm of this other kingdom is the enemy. The enemy who's selfish and tried to overthrow God. The enemy who, who tried to, to, to deceive humankind and send us to hell. The enemy that is called the accuser of the saints. That voice that says you did this and you messed up and this and that and God doesn't. That's the accuser. The accuser. He's known as the father of lies. The only way the devil can ever have any truth is when we come into agreement with his lie and empower it with the creative power God has given us. That's a different sermon, though. So God has called us to represent his kingdom, his heart in every situation. That's done in what we say. Are the things you're saying to people around you, people you love, your children, your family, are they representing what kingdom? Are you saying God kingdom things that are coming to alignment with what his heart is? Or are you being angry and bitter? Are you taking pain out on the people you love? It's in what you say. That's how we bring the kingdom. Sometimes I think we think there's, the, there's these great power moves that have to happen all the time and people have to fall out and shake and all that. And I love that. Trust me, that's my thing. But uh, what we don't see is there is a great power move when we just treat someone with the heart of the Father. You don't get the drama, but you get the kingdom. Amen? 
How we react to situations is how the kingdom can come. What do you do when you get a doctor's report that doesn't line up? What do you do when you're hit with tragedy? What do you do when your family's going crazy? What do you do when you're stuck in a situation? What do you do when there's no way out? How we react to that can bring the kingdom. Do we say, oh, God, I'm sick. I'm going to die. Do we say, oh, God, I believe you. Or do we say, oh, God, I know you can come and you can move and you can do this. Or do we just surrender to the sickness, surrender to the pain, surrender to the anger? That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, I believe what he tells me. Though sometimes my experience doesn't match up, though sometimes it's dark, though sometimes things happen, I believe that this is the truth, amen? And if we can preach and live and move from the promises instead of experience, we'll begin to see things in our life. Too many people are moving within the kingdom thinking, I've never seen that happen before, so we don't go for it. I've never seen a healthy marriage. I've never seen, yeah, see, y'all thought I was talking about casting demons. I'm talking about life stuff. I haven't seen someone hold down a job. I haven't seen someone not be in poverty. I haven't said, we don't do it. But the kingdom says there is always more. And the more is always better, amen? How are we reacting? How do we love? This is a big one for me. How do we love people? Are we loving people to the best of our ability with the heart of the Father? Or are we loving people with conditions? Because a lot of us love people with great, great, great condition. Love isn't I wrote a hundred notes that say how much I love you. <laughs> love isn't we go out every Friday night on date night. Love isn't, the kids are just wonderful children. It's not what you say, it's what you do. It's what you believe. There's people in your life that as soon as they don't meet the conditions, they walk away. We're taught that we should walk away from things that hurt us. That's not biblical. Jesus Christ was hurt by us. He didn't walk away, amen? That deserved at least one amen. He never left or forsook us. Are you loving like that, or is your love conditional? Do you have a kingdom love? A kingdom love says, I don't care what happens. I don't care what goes on. I have come into a covenant, and maybe that covenant isn't with that person. So you can make a covenant with God, a covenant with God to say, I'm going to love your kids like you do. I'm going to love your children like you do. So many times we're said, well, if they hurt you, don't talk to them. Leave them out. I'm putting them out of my life. That's all over Facebook. That's all over the Internet. Walk away from anything that takes your power. Walk away. Nothing should be able to take your power. Amen? It's not about conditions. God, I want you to take a moment and think about every messed up thing you've ever done. Just a moment. We're not trying to be here all day. I understand. Some of y'all got to get to lunch. And there was never a moment in all of that sin and all of that confusion where God says, this is too much. Sorry, I didn't die for all this. That's not what he said. He did die for it. The other way we see the kingdom is how we perceive things. This is a hard one. It's easy to change behavior for the most part. 30 days. I got a counselor in here. 30, what is it? 30 days it takes about to change a behavior. But it's a lot harder to have a paradigm shift. Amen? Which means 
the way I view everything is coming in through a lens, and that's telling me how to react. We either have kingdom lens or we don't. See, when we change our, when we go into a situation, the paradigm should be what is God wanting to do in this situation? Not always a ministry scenario, could be in your marriage. What is God trying to do in this situation? Could be in the midst of a tragedy. What is God going to do in this situation? God, what is God, what is his place? What can I do to partner with him? That's how we bring the kingdom. That's why we have to represent the Father's heart. I'm going to say something that is alarming. So before you throw tomatoes and shout heresy, God isn't in control. See? He's definitely in charge. But God's not in heaven making all these things happen. God, you think God, God did not cause your tragedy. God did not cause your illness. God did not cause that sexual abuse in your life. God did not cause that. God will use that, amen? Oh, you're still with me? Stay with me. He will use all of that. He will knit all of that together into a beautiful tapestry of a testimony. But the enemy would love for us to believe that God killed that person. Or that God caused you to lose that job. Or that God caused you to have this pain and this. That's not what the Bible says. It's not. If, God, if we really believe what we say, God is a loving father. We have parents in here. Would you do that to your kids? Of course not. And you're not even perfect parents. Sorry. But he is. And he will take this, you know, when you've seen your kid really screw up and you have to go in in the situation and you have to fix it for him, that's more how God's it, God is. We have to stop saying, well, everything happens for a reason. Guess what? We need to break in on that reason and change it, amen? You have that power within you. Put your hand on your heart. Say, I have the Holy Spirit. I can change things. That means you can get right back to your house and start praying the devil out of there. That means you can lay hands on that unbelieving spouse while they're asleep and pray for their salvation. That means you can look at your children and say, I know what I went through and what my mom went through and what my grandpa went through, but not you. You can change things with kingdom power, amen? I wish I had somebody who was excited as I am. You can change. Stop accepting this. Stop believing in karma. Well, I did this, and now this is happening. If I hadn't done, that's not biblical. That's not Jesus. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's opposite of the Bible's message. Yeah, you're bad, but he's good, and he loves us, and he wants us. Amen? Stop being so passive in your life. Stop being so passive in the kingdom. The enemy is at war for your family and for you and for this church because God is doing things in this church. As we pray, I believe God's going to have a supernatural habitation at this church, but we have to guard that. Well, Chip, you just told me God's will isn't always done. That's horrifying. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> like, I don't have a better word. It really isn't that great. It, it's not fun. How do you know this is true? Because we wouldn't pray it if it it wouldn't be in the Bible to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, you know, you know the prayer, 
thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth, meaning it must not already be here, which means his will must not already be working, or we wouldn't have to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven. Are you bringing heaven into situations, or are you bringing hell? Where are you at in the scale? We're responsible to bring the kingdom. Why are you telling us this? I'm telling you this for this. 1 John 3.8 says this. The one who practices sin is of the devil and for the devil. He has sin from who has sin from the beginning. The son of God appeared for this purpose. This is what the, I didn't write this. It would be misspelled if I did. I'm kidding. If you, <laughs> the son of man appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. To destroy the works of the devil. When was the last time you went to bed and said, I destroyed some of the devil's work today? When is the last time you said, I really conquered some evil today? I really banished some demonic beings today. I really laid my hands and watched someone get healed today. I led someone to Christ. When is the last time you finished your day and that was your thought? I undid the work of the enemy and brought the kingdom of God. Because you see, that's what Jesus has called us to do. We should go to bed every day knowing that. We should go to bed with a laundry list of ways that we brought the kingdom. Amen? Why aren't you doing it? In the old days, the old chip, I would sit up here and tell you because you're not that great of a person. Because you're not committed. But I believe it's because you're broken. Because you see, the more I learn about God, the more I learn that's not his attitude. He's not, he, he's not mad that you're not doing it. He's heartbroken because he wants the best for you. Wants the best for your family. Our God wants us to break in and he wants us to move. So why aren't we effective? Because we live in a fallen world where the enemy has dominion. And I still believe even though we're Christians and we're saved because Jesus saved us from sin, right? We get that. That's not a big deal. I know people get really upset when I say that. Sin has been taken care of on the cross. That was the ultimate weapon of the enemy to bring down God's creation, and he took care of it. Now we bring the kingdom until it comes for good. If you've been around vineyard stuff, you've heard of now and not yet. So why are we ineffective? We know the stuff. We do the stuff. We're ineffective because there's areas in our life where we're still coming into agreement with the kingdom of darkness. And the demonic and darkness are very legalistic. And when you come into agreement, you enter a contractual obligation. There's areas in your life, you could be living a Christian life, and we all have them. Please never, when I'm up here, ever hear me saying I'm perfect. Hear me saying I've arrived. Because the only place I've arrived to is, I don't even know. We, that's, I'm too, I, I don't know. I'm all jacked up, but so are you, so I'm okay saying it. I just don't hide it. There's areas in our life where we're coming into agreement with the kingdom of darkness and empowering that kingdom. You're in turmoil all the time because you have two kingdoms constantly at war in your own self. It's bad enough that it's out here. Some of us have come into agreement with a sin pattern, <clears throat> meaning there's a habitual sin in your life. 
and you've tried not to sin that way anymore, and you've tried not to do it anymore, you've tried not to think it anymore, you've tried not to, and it's just constant. I'm just, how many people have prayed, Lord, I don't know why. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but I can't break this habit because it's not about the habit. What's causing the habit? What's causing the sin? What are you, because almost every instant of the kingdom of darkness being in our life is the instant of us empowering a lie of the enemy. So we say, I can't escape this sin. I keep doing this sin instead of I am more than a conqueror. That's what the Bible says. I am made holy. I am in his grace. We're coming into agreement with the sin pattern. Some of us have come into agreement of lies that have been spoken over us. Could be lies from parents, spouses, significant others, saying you're not good enough. You'll never be anything. No one will ever love you. You'll never hold this together. You'll never have a family. You'll never have a good job. You'll never be any. Look at what you did. Look at who you are. You're trash. You're nothing. And some of us, we get dressed every morning, and we go to work, and we go to church, and we act holy, and we try to be holy, but every time we put our hand to the plow, so to speak, we feel like an imposter. I'm not, you feel like an imposter. I'm not really a Christian. I have this inner dialogue telling me I'm not holy, telling me I'm not worthy, telling me how messed up I am. And when we go, and what we do is we say, yeah, that's right. And we agree with that. And once we agree with that, you better believe the enemy's going to send every person, every problem, every opposition to come into your life and confirm that. Some of us don't seem to understand that the devil will bless us as well. It's not a blessing. You think the devil can't put somebody in your path to make you believe what he said and to lead you off? You think the devil can't give you a good job that ends up making you miserable later? You think the devil can't? The devil is constantly trying to empower the lies we're believing about ourselves. But how many people today say that's enough? Because I'm saying that's enough. It's through shame. Shame. You don't know what I've done, Chip. In fact, I just sense right now that the Holy Spirit is, uh, there's somebody that did something in their life during college that has just plagued them. And it's brought great shame, but no more. Shame for what I've done and where I've been. Shame says, I'm not really good enough to be used by God. I'm not really good enough to be loved by God. Shame says, if you knew the real me, if you knew what I did, if you knew the mistakes I've made, you would walk right away from me, but that's not what God does, amen? Anger and bitterness, a lot of us come into it. There's plenty more than this list I'm giving. I'm just giving you the most common. Anger, and the Bible talks about a root of bitterness that grows into your heart and roots itself in. How many people have gardened before? Okay, good. It's much easier to pull a plant up with no roots, Amen. But once those roots get in, what? I was actually listening to something this week talking about, I don't know the exact tree. I want to say it's a California redwood, but I might be wrong. If I am wrong, email me later and correct me. But they're these giant trees, stories and stories and stories tall. Thousands of years these trees have been there. Their roots only go six inches deep. But they all connect together and create this like network so one tree can't be knocked down 
without all of them holding it up. That's kind of what's happening in the spirit. If you can get your roots down in that, you're, between you, the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be knocked down. But unfortunately, that's also how bitterness works. We let anger harbor in our heart until it grows roots, and the roots take place, and then the roots, what do roots do? They suck nutrients and feed the plant. Whatever your roots are are going to drain your life. So the reason you have no joy, the reason you have no peace, the reason you have no bitterness, you have no happiness is because you have bitterness and a root of bitterness that is sucking all the energy that could be used for good and could be used for joy and could be used to help people, and it's taking all of that energy to just survive and harbor this grudge. And we say, God, if I let it go and forgive them, that makes it okay. No, it doesn't. I don't want to release them from punishment. Because that's what forgiveness says is, yeah, you, you messed up, but I don't, I don't even care about punishing you. We've got to get the Father's heart on this, on bitterness, and start saying, God, I want what you want for my enemy. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? I, uh, let me tell you, God always gets me to pray prayers like that. I can't stand it. I literally, the other day, somebody asked me to pray for something, and I, 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 I said, this was my prayer. God, why am I always the martyr? Because <laughs> like, I feel like he's always asking me to do things that are so uncomfortable and so just, ugh. But you got to do them until eventually the posture of your heart starts lining up. And you say, I automatically want good for every person. Because God loves the person you hate the most. He loves them as much as he loves you. This is a big one, this last one on here of my little short list. False identity. Identity. The enemy wants you to believe you're somebody other than who God says you are. The enemy wants you to believe you are not victorious. He wants you to believe that you can't, that you can't do anything. He wants you to go around saying, that's just the way I am. Oh, gosh, I hate it. I want to slap people when they say that. Can I be honest? Somebody will be so rude and so nasty and so mean and then say, it's just the way I am. Well, the way you are sucks. <laughs> like, I don't have a better word. <laughs> like, uh, the way you are isn't working for you. It isn't working for us. It isn't working for him. Change something. And that's what God wants to do. When I read the Bible and I see the character of Jesus, because the Bible says that Jesus is an exact representation of the Father, I see the heart of the Father. I want to be able to, to just love people. And people go, why are you doing that? It's just the way I am. Because it's the way he is. Amen? By now, we've all probably identified something in our life that is in agreement with the kingdom of darkness. Does that make you bad? Absolutely not. Does that make you on God's bad list? No. We all have it, every one of us. But when Holy Spirit brings it up to you, and Holy Spirit brings it to your mind and your forefront, it's because he wants to deal with it, amen? God can heal all those areas. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, and we know this. For our weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. 
we are destroying speculations and every lofty things that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive and into obedience. When was the last time you took a thought captive and called it into the obedience of Jesus Christ? Next time you have a thought that doesn't line up with the word, that doesn't line up with God's character, that doesn't line up with the revelation he's given to you, take that thing and, open, and take it captive and beat it into submission. Amen. Yes, out loud. You can do it out loud. Just take it and say, this is a lie. This is not of God. I guarantee your life will start to change. I guarantee it. You are a divine instrument of the kingdom, loved by the Father, unconditionally. God never says, clean up so I can love you. <laughs> God never says, stop doing this so I can care about you more. Stop doing this. He'll even use you when you're messed up. God's saying, I want what's better for you because it's better for you. Kyle, I'm going to ask you and the worship team who I've said already to come back up. He wants it for you. Because you can live a better life. You can live an empowered life. Amen? I'm going to read you one more scripture. It says this. It's Colossians 1.13. It's one of my favorite scriptures. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. We can go ahead and get the lights. My concern is that everything hasn't been transferred, amen? And Jesus died for everything to be transferred. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team to either come up or, and just we're going to pray in a moment. You can go ahead and pray whenever you're ready. Would, bow your heads, don't look at me. Would you lift your hands? Just open them. You don't have to necessarily. And just right now, ask the Spirit, what in my life needs to be pulled from darkness and brought into the marvelous light of God? What needs to be transferred this morning? And I'm going to call you forward. You can come kneel at this altar. We have some pillows. You can find someone and pray with them. If the Spirit highlights someone for you to pray for, we want you to do that. But this is a morning of divine transfer, amen? So I'm going to pray and then just come forward. I'll pray for you. John is somewhere. He'll pray for you. Donna will pray for you. Somebody will pray for you. But it's time for some transfers to happen. But you can't be afraid. You can't be scared. And you just got to give it to God, amen? Father God, you love us. Father, I serve notice to every dark thing in the name of Jesus right now. This is your church. This is your people. And there is no more attack. There is no more destruction on their lives that is going to happen. Father, today as people come forward, I pray that you would give them a mighty encounter with your spirit. And that that encounter will transfer bad ideologies, sinful behaviors, thought patterns, abuse, and lies into your kingdom of light. That way we can break in and we can be used by you. There's no situation that you're in that's too big. There's no issue that's going on that's too strong for you, God. 
when there is no way, there's a way. And it's through you, Lord Jesus. So Father, as the people come and as they get prayer, I pray that life change would happen today. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Come Holy Spirit.